This is Super Yacht Radio. Welcome back to Supiart Radio. And as we are finishing off this week, um, I have been delighted to talk to crew and captains around the world, finding out their stories. And one of my last guests is not just a captain, but captain, crew, and boat. I have with me today Dane Tarr, who is captain of Motor Yacht Chasing Daylight, and they are up for the charter yacht nomination this year. Dane, lovely to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I, can I ask just to kind of get a, a, an understanding about Chasing Daylight? It, it's been a charter yacht always. Have you been with it a long time? What's the kind of story behind Chasing Daylight? So our owners were got into the industry in probably about 2012. Um, they, they were charter guests themselves. They loved the dream. And they just wanted to get into it. So they got talked into buying a boat, which is what I try to talk all charter guests out of doing. Um, <laughs> and uh, they bought a, a small 110-foot uh, yacht and enjoyed it. And they, they loved it. And they started chartering it in the Bahamas. And they love the Bahamas. So they, uh, they then got rid of that boat and bought a, a 130 Westport, which is when I joined in 2014. Um, I joined it as a, a, a fairly busy charter program with maybe five weeks a year. And we kind of grew that into a program that's pumping out anywhere between 14 and 18 weeks a year. Um, and busy season. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, busy season. Um, we're lucky to have owners that really help us provide dates to charter clients. Um, they really work their schedule around to fill up this schedule as much as possible with charters, uh, mostly in the Bahamas. But then this year we're, we're in places like Alaska and Central America and Mexico and the Caribbean. So we do get to throw a couple wild seasons in there for some of our repeat clients. And now we're on a 164 Westport, which we purchased in in 2020. So stepping our game up a little bit and doing some different okay. stuff. It's a, uh, it's been and a lot keeping of fun. with the American boat as well. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Westport brand. As far as a charter boat is concerned, they, they, uh, you can really just push them to the max and not a lot of downtime for maintenance. They're just a very reliable, simple machine. And putting together a charter or in, in some ways, I think probably the first place was for you putting together the crew because, you know, the more captains I talk to, the, the crew you have on board very much ends up being how great the charter experience is for the guests. So was that kind of a, a process of trying to find the right crew with the right skills and the right dynamic? How did you kind of get that together? I mean, as, as most captains will probably tell you, that is the hardest part about, about the position is trying to find a crew that 
can not only all get along, but can work together and are happy working together. Um, and, you know, with charter guests, you only have maybe, maybe one day to be their best friend. And that's what I kind of try to tell our client or tell our, our crew is like, hey, you need to be someone that when they leave, they want to hug you and tell you that that was the best trip that they've ever had. And I kind of look at my goal as a captain is I try to get the charter clients to just feel at home as soon as I possibly can so that they are comfortable talking to the crew and, and when they need something or if they even they just want to spark a conversation so that they're comfortable having, you know, 11 staff members roaming around the boat at any given time. And in the end, I, I want people to, to really just almost be our friends for that short period of time so that we're all having fun together because if the guests are having fun and the crew are having fun, it creates this amazing atmosphere. And I, most of the time, I'm pretty successful at that. And right now I have an awesome crew that are, that, that are just in there. They're playing games with them. They're getting them going. When a guest looks like they're bored on the aft deck by themselves, they're getting them to jump in kayaks together, paddle boards. And, it, and it's always just trying to this search of an adventure whenever we possibly can. And do you get a chance to kind of get to know the guests in advance? I mean, obviously there's an itinerary of where they want to go, but um, you know, uh, presumably there's kind of a difference possibly between people who having the first experience of a charter versus people who are experienced. Do you get kind of a glimpse of who they are and what they may want? I mean, food, I would think is the obvious one, you know, you know, their, their food preferences, but um, can you send them out a questionnaire to kind of say, what do you most like doing? So you kind of know, because it's, that's, for me, I would think one of the big differences between a charter yacht and a private yacht, a private yacht, you know, your owners, you know what they like and what they want to do, where charter guests, it can be a totally different experience each time. Well, the, the, the charter broker sends them a preference sheet. And, you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of these people are they're in their profession, they're busy and they send them this preference sheet, which looks kind of daunting when you get it because there's it's like four or five pages and it has all these questions like what kind of meats do you like and and what do you like to do in your spare time and you know most people kind of look at it they make a couple of rough marks on there and then we have to try to plan a whole charter with what they like to do and you know a lot of times we'll be in the exumas where there's no restaurants and no shopping and their most favorite thing to do is restaurants and shopping and so you're you kind of have a little bit of a freak out i like to put three people in touch with the client as soon as possible, myself being one of them. And then the, the chief stew and the chef. Cause nine times out of 10, we get a really scary preference sheet in and you, you're like, Oh man, these guys sound like they're going to be uh, intense you know, high maintenance or intense. <laughs> and, and then once you talk to them, you get pick up the phone and they're like, Oh no, don't worry about that. This is going to be fine. This is great. Oh, we're so excited. Oh, we really don't care about this. That was just something that I marked when I was thinking about it. And you kind of get a feeling. And also, you know, just like crew members, I, I definitely do some internet research as a tool for that. You're, you're being silly if you're not using it. And you can find out a lot about a person um, and their family on the internet. And as weird as that may sound, it's helpful and you can kind of get an insight of what they're into and what they're doing. 
and try to do as much background. Sometimes I'll see that they've chartered votes before and I'll contact previous captains. And the captains will be like, yeah, and this is best charter clients you're ever going to have. And sometimes they'll be pissed off because we might have stolen them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so similar yeah. kind of do your research um, before they get there because then you know in advance who you're dealing with and what they may want. And it helps me doing my research helps me remember names because before they get to the boat, I actually have a face to the name and you can kind of relate to them and figure out what they're about. Sometimes you get it completely wrong and whatever your research showed was way off. So you just had to brace yourself. But, you know, it's interesting because it it also brings in that um, human side that you know, if if it sounds like you're trying to, what you were saying of of wanting to be their best friends, you want to develop a personal relationship, even if it's for a week or two, because that is ultimately what makes us feel comfy and at home. So if we have that kind of personal connection in some way, then it means that we know, or you know, um, what they want, what what they need. Sure. And that you don't, you don't have a lot of time to figure that out. You've got to get in there and, and try to read them as soon as possible. Because by the second day, if you're not meeting that mark of their expectations, you're already failing. So you just have to dive deep in and any kind of head start you can get before they get on board, it's, it's really helpful. And it makes it hard when you're back to back, but you really, the more time you can put into it before they arrive, the better off you are. And so, you know, you've been with Chasing Daylight in in some shape or form over the past seven or eight years. Have you seen like a a development in, I mean, I've seen just in the toys and tenders section over the past five years, a whole nother level of toys, tenders, and that's just on board. Have you had to develop over the past couple of years kind of upping the game? Because I would think it's got to be a competitive industry, um, particularly in the past year or so. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty funny. I I am more uh, an adventure. This might sound silly, but I'm more of an adventure type captain with guests, and and I I work with my crew to do the same. Is where, yeah, you're on a beautiful yacht, and it's great, and we have toys, and we have all this stuff. But I try to keep it simple because I think that some of the places that we're taking them to can offer way more than a slide or some of the other things that you might find in the yachting magazine. And we we really try to get them doing big beach setups and and hikes and exploring and make sure we're action packed. And you know, we have we have the the sea bobs, we have the e-foils, we've got the jet skis, we got the and we have tons of toys. And my goal is, is for them to get used the least amount as possible. And that to me, that means that the guests are out enjoying where they decided to charter the yacht. And there's always some guests that would just prefer to be on the boat and enjoy the toys. And we can do that. There's plenty of time for that. But I try to get them out because there's, I mean, there's so many cool places in the Exumas and Central America. We in Central America, we're setting up tours almost every day where they have a chance to really get to see the land and the rivers and stuff like that. So I, we're more 
pushing that side. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I think to get back to your question, it's hard to keep up. You pull into a, every time you pull into a, a an anchorage, you're like, what is that toy? What is that thing? What is that thing? And it, just, it, it the expectations of the charter guests. And I think that um, the, <laughs> it's just a headache. Cause a lot of these new toys are not really tried and true yet. So you get these new toys and whole yes. learning curve with each one that comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're you're trying to figure out how they work and how to maintain them, and they're just unmaintainable. And you have there these expectations getting to use these toys, and they're not really working. So you, it's you're. I try to just keep it simple. You get the basics and have a good time with them. You know that they're working well and that they're going to be working when the guests get there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's funny. It's really funny. And um, I, my other question is is um. Because it it sounds like you're very much focused on on a deeply experience experiential experience. So you know, lots of full on personal experiences of exploring and beaches and hiking. And it kind of reminds me of being Irish when we have American friends or tourists coming over. They look at Ireland. Ireland's teeny tiny country in comparison to the states. So they look at it and they're like, oh, cool, we're, we're going to do the whole of Ireland in the whole week, you know, and, and they have this all planned out that they're going to do the whole thing in a week. And, and you know, some of it is because Americans are, um, are used to, you know, being able to travel huge distances. So it doesn't seem like that much. But some of it is also culturally, and I say this being half American, culturally, American holiday time is very short. So they, the need to pack in as much as you can in that one week or two weeks off that you've got is, is a really big part for many Americans of the holiday experience. Do you find the same sort of cultural differences with guests as well? That um, it is, you know, for most of your guests, it's going to be their two-week break that... I think particularly in the past year that they've really needed because they've been, you know, really busy or locked down or, you know, whatever. Um, do you see those kind of differences as well? Do you have to take it into account? I mean, food is an obvious one that there are going to be cultural differences, but on the expectation of experiences, does it differ culturally? Yeah. I mean, you know, being American and I, I really, I'm, I'm always on the go myself. So <laughs> we will get some guests that have expectations that they just, they want to lounge and be on board and just relax. And those people, I give them all the space to do that, but I'm always able to talk someone into an adventure. And as soon as that one adventure goes out and they come back and they're telling all these stories, you know, next thing I know, the person that just wanted to relax and just enjoy their time on board and Next, they're the one chomping at the bit, being like, "What are we doing next? What, what's going on? What's 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 the schedule?" And I go back and I I see them after breakfast, I see them after lunch, and I see them after dinner, and I tell them what we're doing for the day and what the activities, what's going to happen, and when we're leaving. And usually, those people that said they just wanted to chill out and sunbathe on the sun deck are the ones being like, "Well, do you think we could leave here in 15 minutes?" <laughs> sure, let's do it. But you know, there's there is a lot to see. 
wherever, wherever the boats are. And so it's really cool. And I, you know, I think it all, no matter where you're from, it's, it's cool to see some of the, the places that you're not normally at. And mm-hmm. um, especially when it's warm and sunny. Mm-hmm. And you're in, you know, beautiful locations, you know, from Central America, Caribbean, uh, up north, they are extremely different experiences, even in those three domains um, sure. that, you know, the variety must be great as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, for me, I find it, I, I, I find it so much fun to have a good group of guests that are into it that are excited um you know i when i do get some guests that are you know just want to be on the boat and not do anything i kind of find myself lost a little bit what do i what do i do here am i you're running out of excuses not to do administrative work dan (laughs) (laughs) i know so that's that's uh it's kind of a thing and you just have to adapt to it. And luckily it's very rare that you have that. Most people are go, 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 go. But um, I, either way, it's a challenge for me to try to figure out what works best for them. Um, you know, you have a really busy charter season, you know, with that many weeks. How do you as captain kind of help the balance for your crew as well? Because you know, it's one of the, the feedback from crew of uh, sometimes it can just be exhausting. And, you know, you can, after a charter, if it's a very intense one, you can be m- mentally and physically exhausted. Um, how do you help kind of keep the balance for your crew and, and kind of keep that dynamic going? It's very difficult. And... You know, I, I'm on rotation, and so it, it for me, I, it, it's very unfair because here I am, I'm scheduling along with the owners and the charter manager, you know, our, our, our time and our, our schedule. And, you know, we have, I really try to stay away from 24-hour turnarounds, but sometimes we do it. Um, 48-hour turnarounds are easier, but still, it's it's intense. And mm. when I hired these people, I tell them, I was like, guys, you, this is not a normal boat. This is a boat that will be extremely busy and not a lot of time off. And you're it is could be one of the most challenging things, especially for the green crew that think mm. that, oh yeah. I've, I've watched the TV show or I've done this. I know what it's going to be like. No, it's not going to be anything like that. This is, you wake up in the morning and it does get easier. And it's kind of funny at the beginning of the charter season, you're like, wow, this is, this is tough. But then you can kind of lose memory of what it's like to be a free person. (laughs) I'm a machine. (laughs) And You know, I, I, it's hard, but I tried to get, people out and doing stuff and having a fun experience and getting the breaks. And, you know, I've, you've got to have the breaks. You've got to have that time, maybe, you know, two hours a day, at least in the middle of the day to just go disappear in your cabin and breathe. And if they can take that time to get off the boat, because it, you know, like right now, Chasey Daylight's about to go into a two month time frame where they're not going to have a single day off. And, you know, they're all working 
14 hour days. And, you know, between myself and Captain Mark, we have to try to keep a smile on their face. Yeah. And that's, that's not easy. And we, you know, we tried to do the best we can to get them out on the boat. And if there's, if the guests aren't doing anything, send them out on a kayak or just say, Hey, take four hours and disappear. Go do something fun. The charter tips help. I mean, that definitely promotes a smile at the end of a trip, but you know, when you're busy, it's like, okay, that was a great smile, but now we have to do a turnaround and we got to get this boat looking like it's never had guests on it before. And, and, 24 hours. So that is by far the biggest. And you never want turnaround in the middle of a season because all it takes is one crew member that you didn't quite pick. Doesn't quite fit in. Doesn't quite fit in. And it throws everything off. Mm. Um, and, and also it's hard to give people a break, like a, a vacation time during your busiest period, because everyone's together, everyone's working efficiently and knows each other's tasks and knows that they can rely on on this person or rely on this person and they know where their downsides are. And so you come to expect those. And every time you bring a new person in, they're like, well, I don't know what the heck this guy's, this person's downside is going to be. And they brace themselves because you are at 11, 11 people, you become this really closely knit team. And, you know, I use bad dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a dad, all else fails, so bring in some humor. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, that's kind of me anyways, but I try just to break it up because you can, I'll walk into the stew galley and everyone's kind of looking like they've been to, to war and back. And I just go in there and act stupid. Sometimes I dress like a woman that helps too, really brings out the laughs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, whatever it may be. Keeping humor on board. Yeah, I can imagine that's a good tonic at times, you know. Um, and interesting what you were saying of, of you know, the um, slight disillusionment, I think, sometimes with some crew of, because it does seem like such an amazing uh, lifestyle and experience and you travel and you get to work on these amazing yachts, but it you know, I've talked to so many crew recently and it's so intense, both on a, a professional level, but personal level as well. You know, you're living and working together intensely and there's both sides. There's the professional side of wanting it the best for the guests and having them have the best experience and the personal side of working together and living together and creating this experience for people. I don't yeah. envy you your job at all, <laughs> but I love to talk about it. <laughs> it definitely is. It's, it's, it's something that's challenging. And I love getting a good, hardworking green crew member. And that's one of my most favorite parts about crewing up a boat because you get these crew members that have zero expectations. Um, well, they have expectations, but they really don't know what they're getting themselves into. And, they haven't been on any other boats. They're not like, well, on my last boat, I got this or I got this. They, they come on board and they're so eager to please. They want to learn. They want to fit in. And I work with them, even as a captain, I work with them super hard. And a lot of it's not like me teaching them how to be the a great, you know, stainless polisher. It's more how having how to deal with different cultures on board and dealing with the 
the fast pace program and the hours of rest and just trying to get them to mentally prepare themselves to, to, to do that. And just, I'll see them and I'll be like, looking pretty beat up kid. And they're like, yeah, this has been a rough week. And I was like, all right, well, you know, look, this is, this is a, this is a marathon, not a sprinting race. You got to make sure you take your breaks. Cause a lot of times that's what they want to do. They want to just show everyone that they're the hardest worker on board and work past times. Like, no, you're given a break. You take your break. Cause I guarantee you in two weeks from now, you're not going to be you're gonna smiling like you are right now. <laughs> or you're, not, yeah. <laughs> or you're just going to walk off. Then that's, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just when you got two months of no time off, because most of these people have never done that, never done that. Yeah. And yet that is, you know, one of the feedbacks from crew of the, the difference it made to them of having the, the captain or the chief stew or the chief officer or somebody that helped mentor them and, and finding the right fit all of a sudden the job made sense when they had the right fit and they were kind of guided because there is this incredible eagerness to learn and prove themselves and, you know, get in there. But, you know, there's also the need for guidance along the way because even the experience for, for so many people, even the experience of being on a boat, some, some of them, their first time being on a boat, they've got all their certificates and everything, but their first time of actually being on a boat is their first job. So, you know, you've got homesickness, you've got cabins, you've got working with people, and you've got the whole new job. Um, it, it's a really big experience for those green crew coming in. I remember myself, I was, I lived on a sailboat my entire childhood and I, I joined yachting because I thought it was just going to be a a jump over and it'd be super easy, but I was just totally shocked by how difficult the job is. Not because I didn't know how to drive a tender or how to, you know, be a good, have good seamanship, but it was like how to deal with working with other people from other parts of the world. And, you know, it was, that was massive. I mean, I, I always tell people and I tell deckhands, I was like, look, man, there was a, a first officer and an engineer that they just wanted to break me. I mean, admittedly, I think I was overly confident in my position. And so they took it upon themselves to show me how little I really did know. And I, I look back now and I'm appreciative of that, but you know, I, they caught me crying in the bosun's locker, having a little bit of a cry. And they, they just sat there and they gave each other a high five. And they're like, I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and there's 17 year old Dane just oh. being there like what am I getting myself into <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know that's when it comes when I, my biggest thing of advice for the young ones is I was like guys just keep your mouth shut listen like don't get involved in crew drama just just soak it up as much as possible and learn from other people's mistakes take what guidance you can along the way. And I guess maybe get a bit of a thicker skin if you do have people that <laughs> are putting you through the ropes on your first job. This industry isn't, you know, I, my wife did it for about five years and I always joke with her. I was like, you're just, you're too nice for yachting. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's hard. It really does. It will, it'll, 
it'll grab a hold of you because everyone's just working their tail off and they have these high expectations of you even when you're at your lowest and uh, you just have to kind of just let it flow off your shoulders take a couple deep breaths i i always like if crew are having a hard time it's funny because i i take them up to the foredeck and i was like all right you're about to do something really weird here and you're just gonna have to bear with me and they're like oh gosh what are you about to do do nowadays and i was like let's just have 10 breaths and they're like, oh, I'm not into this yoga stuff. I was like, no, let's just have 10 breaths, fresh air in your face, and let's just breathe together. And it, it is a little weird. But at the end, no one takes that time because everyone's so like, go, 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 go. I was like, sometimes you really just need to go to the foredeck, have that fresh breeze in your face, and just breathe. Because in reality, it's, it's really not that bad. You're in a beautiful place. You're with, most of the time, some good people, a good team on board. And you've got some fun charter guests. You're making a ton of money and you're getting to see the world. And, you know, there's so many positives. So, yeah, I'm making it sound, I'm making the sound all doom and gloom, but, you know, we're just, there's some struggles in it, like any job. But I think that, it, you know, my previous guest was, was Dre Robinson, who started up a start yachting because she just felt like it was really good to give some solid advice to people getting into yachting. Um, but you know, I was kind of saying of, of frequently asked questions, do you, do you need to start with a reality check of it is a fantastic job and there are so many amazing benefits for a lot of people. It's, it's the relationships they have and the travel and the everything else, but there's also a, re a reality check because it is intense on you personally and professionally. So she's like, yeah, we have to start with a reality check, you know, that, they come in, you know, with their eyes open of what the experience is going to be. Yeah. Jay, Jay was on chasing daylight. Uh, she worked as a chief stew or something oh. a year ago now, I think like right around the start of COVID. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. So I haven't been in the industry for a long time, but 17 years, it can either be long or it can be short depending on who you talk to. Um, and you know, I, definitely have been some times where I'm like, I want to get out of this industry. I'm over it, but I have, I feel like I've taken advantage of it and just like it has taken advantage of me. And, you know, after this amount of time, I've, I've had a, a good career. I, I have a house, I have a wife and kids and I'm able to support them. And I've worked hard enough with the family to put together a rotational program. So I get to spend a decent amount of time home and, you know, you if, as long as you make the best of it, and like I said, take advantage of the, of the industry as much as it takes advantage of you, you can really put together a, a, a great life from it. It still makes you want to pull your hair out from time to time, but <laughs> that's just life. <laughs> However, I think, um, you know, we Below Decks has been, uh, particularly in the States, a, a huge hit, but I think as well, it gave people a little glimpse of a world that lots of people didn't know about. Um, but one of the reasons I've been focusing more about crew and that, because it strikes me that if you have the right crew and your crew are happy, then that's going to make for great charters. You know, if that, and I've actually only watched two or three below decks, so I'm, I'm not commenting on necessarily below decks, but it does strike me that, that experience is going to come from a crew that are happy and motivated and ready to go for it. 
Yeah, I, I, I always tell the owners, I was like, for me, success on board is when you finish up a charter and everyone still wants to go out and have a big night together afterwards. Like you, I'll kick back. You know, we did it the other night. I kicked back and I'm like, wow, everyone's still talking to each other and enjoying each other's company and like texting back and forth in the group chat. Like, when are we going out? And I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is good. Because even if you're not, you know, even if you're not the most attentive or there's some downsides to this, this, and this, if you're going out there with a positive attitude and representing that to the guests, it doesn't matter. You know, the guests want to just have great service and they want to feel comfortable on board. And if these people, you can, you can read it. Like even the guests that haven't been on board ever, they can sense that, Hey, this person's having a bad day. Mm. And and so you just got to get rid of that. Sometimes it's unobtainable, but sometimes if some hard work and you can get to that right now, like it's great that we have that. And I'm super thankful to everybody because you know, it takes its entire crew that has to put in that hard work to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, as you were talking, I was like, I haven't done a charter, but I can only kind of equivalent it to the, you know, restaurant experiences. I don't necessarily remember the most, um, you know, expensive meals in the fanciest restaurants. I, I do remember the ones where you just kept going back because it had such a good dynamic you know, the, the staff were lovely. The food was good. You know, that for me, the whole, and, and that's just the eating experience. Um, I extrapolate that to a charter experience where you've got the experience, the amazing cooking, because I do actually think yacht chefs should all have a Michelin star for what they <laughs> kind of come up with it just amazes i've been talking to a couple of yacht chefs too amazes me what they can achieve um but you know it, it part of the whole parcel and you can feel it you can feel the energy and the vibe that's around you particularly if you're living there so it makes sense the yacht chef is it's such a vital role and you know luckily i have my chef that I have on right now, he came back for the Alaska season. His name's York, just a, like a phenomenal chef that just makes it all look so easy. But he's also able to talk to the guests and kind of understand what they're looking for as well. And he, that's if they're able to do that, um, to just kind of sometimes you'd have to just brush off this. I don't know how, how to put it, but they some chefs they have their menus and they're set on their menus and they think that these menus are the best menus that are ever going to go out and that there's no reason anyone should be eating anything different than what's on their menus. And that's great. And they normally do have fantastic menus. Um, But, you know, a lot of our guests are from kind of the, the Midwest America where they have specific taste buds and they're not into some of the Mediterranean cuisines or Thai curry (laughs) yeah and so you'd have to be like all right well this isn't going to work for this let let me do that and I finding a chef that's able to really work with you and understand that and you know some chefs like I'm not making a hamburger I was like don't think of it as, as like a big mac and fries think of it as this like this masterpiece that you can create because it's such a simple feast that 
almost everybody loves. And so you're like, hey, let me make a homemade bun. Let me get some great Snake River Farms ground beef and put together this masterful patty with fresh, you just, you turn what some people think is just like this burger into this beautiful thing. And don't spice it up with a bunch of stuff. Keep it still simple, but put like great ingredients into it and turn that into a thing. And people, it takes a little bit for them to catch on to these ideas, but sometimes simplicity is, is best. And finding a chef that's able to do both, to be able to cook for people that have that like things a little bit more simple on the taste scale, and then turn it up to this magnificent five course meal is, is really what you need for a charter yacht. Cause we get all types and I, I'm a I'm more of a simple taste bud person myself. So I, <laughs> I, 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 but I also appreciate it all. So it, it's great. And then being able to find, you know, a chief stew interior team that can kind of get a good feeling of how guests are enjoying those meals and relaying them onto the chef and then having a chef that can take that information because I mean, a chef is creating art and this art he builds all day and then it gets destroyed in 20 minutes on the aft deck table. And so tensions are high. And so if, you know, you have this chief stew that's coming back to being like, Hey, they didn't like your art that you just made. They actually, it's still on the plate and I'm getting ready to throw it in the trash. So you, uh, you, you gotta be able to have this chief stew chef team that can relay this information in a kind and respectful manner um, and, and make sure that the next meal goes out is adapted to that. And I have a, you know, the, my chief student now, she's awesome at that. She's able to kind of communicate. Um, Katie, she's able to just bring back this information and be like, Hey, this isn't really working. Let's kind of change it. Let's do something different. And so that's, it's a tough one. Mm. But part of the yeah part of the big experience you know and as you're saying it i'm thinking yeah and in my family i've got three vegetarians and i'm gluten-free and my husband's a confirmed carnivore and i struggle just in my small little family of you know five at the moment um hence why hats off to chefs and to the stew who can read you know on the other side how that's because not, and I say this for myself, not everyone is open to criticism after they've just made this incredible meal. <laughs> my children are aware of this fact. Absolutely. <laughs> they, Absolutely. The expression of it's not my cup of tea is their <laughs> polite expression if they don't like something. Don't tell me you don't like it. Just politely say it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> Sometimes like little love notes and just leave them in the galley. <laughs> I'm not talking to him today. This isn't a her today. This isn't going to work. And, you know, honestly, the probably the pickiest people on board are the crew. And, <laughs> and that's, and, you know, these guests come down and they're on vacation. They're here for a week. I can eat this. You know, it's all right. I'm going to be okay eating this big block of cheese. Um, but the crew are eating this food day in and day out. Sometimes it's the, the happiest part of their days when they sit down for dinner to, to eat some food. And so they, it's tough because, you know, on our boat, we have one chef that cooks for up to 12 guests and 11 crew. 
yeah, it's a lot. And we have a, yeah. we have someone that comes in and helps him prep and stuff like that from the interior team. But for the most part, it's all on him. So trying to put together a feast of food for 11 people that all have their own little things that, um, that they don't like or dislike, uh, whether they don't like or like. So yeah, I, that's one job I know I could not do. I know <laughs> I could not be a chef and the people that do it well, I, hats off to them. No doubt. Yeah. Well, um, Dre, I wanted to kind of finish up to ask you a, a question I've asked everyone, but you have long experience now in the industry, like right from sailing up to motor yachts and, you know, charter experience and crew and, um, and so much of the world you've seen looking forward for the next decade, what would you like to see develop or change or be different or be better in the yachting industry? Um, you know, for me, I'd like the yachting industry and I know it's probably not realistic, but I think I would like to see more rotational positions become available and become more of the norm. For all positions, because, you know, you've kind of seen over the past five or 10 years, a lot more come in for captains. Um, But, you know, other positions, stews don't have very many rotations. I saw this recently on YPI crew. They did a survey and, you know, engineers and captains seem to do well for rotations, but they were the two main positions that seemed to have that ability. I think for junior positions, it doesn't make sense. One, they still need to make top dollar because they're growing and they need to get their stuff together and they need to learn. And so you, if you take them off the boat for half the year, they're not going to be picking up those skills as fast as they need to. Um, but for senior positions, even on some of the smaller, like 40 meter boats, I feel like that should be something that's more of the norm. When I set it up on, on the 40 meter that I was on, it was like, I don't know many people that had a rotational position on a 40 meter boat. That just wasn't a thing. And now you're seeing it more and more and more. And it doesn't have to be this crazy expensive thing to the boat. It actually can be cheaper if you look at the big picture, but you know, you have your chief stews, your chefs, I think is a big one that you can set up rotations on. And, and of course your engineers and captains and first officers, you have these people that are already have put their time and their effort in. They know what they're doing. And if it becomes the more the norm, it'd be less difficult for guys like me that are trying to convince owners that this is what we should do because no one wants to spend more money if they don't have to. And they look around and be like, well, no one else is doing it. I was like, yeah, but you have these people that are giving you everything. And honestly, these, you can't expect them to keep going on day after day after day and still stay in your program. And for me, it's been huge because I know I go to work. I got six weeks that I got to keep my, my head focused on my job and keep that smile on my face. And you just, it's great. It's awesome because a lot of these programs, especially programs like ours, it's just nonstop. And to the point where you feel guilty, even taking your days off because it's just, you know, they, they, nothing's going to happen without you so i think also i I presume as well as you work your way up you know as we get into our 30s the the 
balance of wanting a family life. Really, you know, if if you don't have rotation, that has got to be incredibly challenging to have that kind of balance of being away from home as well. Um, which I think it must be part of it too, of being, if you love your career, but you never get to be home, right. that balance is going to be thrown as well. Yeah. And you, you, I think it overall as a, as a, as a boat, when you have these people that are coming in that are fresh, clear minded and happy that that makes the entire program more positive and more efficient and, you know, I, I know a lot of the deckhands would like to be out of rotation too, but in reality, when you start splitting their salaries in half, you know, you, you can't really get by. But when you start making a little bit more money and you've saved up some money, that that, that can happen. So that's, I'd like to see rotation as it become more of a norm because right now it's a lot of times just captain or management against the owners being like, hey, we should do this. And they're like, well, that's going to cost me 40 to 50% more, depending on what this captain is trying to go after them for. And they're like, there's no reason that I should have to pay that. And um, I, I did it out of, you know, because I, I did it because I was desperate and I told the owners, Hey, this is what I have to do because you know, my, my wife is hopping off the boat and we're ready to have a family. And I'd like to stay in the industry, but if I can't, it doesn't make sense for me to stay in the industry if I can't get rotation. And we were able to, to go through it and figure out what it's going to cost. And I put together a, a proposal that, you know, we went over and over and over. And finally, it's like, you know what, by the time you put all these numbers together and you think about what it's going to cost to find a new captain and go through all these troubles and do all this and maybe a management company or something, whatever it may be, that it's just cheaper to put put a captain on rotation and that can help keep the program together or the first officer or the chiefs do. It's getting, it's getting very difficult to find these crew members because there's definitely more boats being built and not as many great crew members coming into the industry. So when you have them, you want to keep them. And that has proved incredibly true over the past year of you know uh, the <laughs> wish i was a yacht broker because the brokerage section in yachting has just exploded you know stateside med side you know they've got three or four years of waiting lists you know yeah. bob dennison we were talking to him a couple of weeks back and he's like my biggest regret of 2020 is just not having enough stock because we had so many boats coming so there is going to be we can see this industry growing and boats are getting bigger too, which means you need a lot more crew on big boats too. No, that's 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 for sure it. And we're gonna it's it's turning into be a problem. Yeah. Well, Dane, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, lovely to kind of discover a bit more of the kind of workings and ins and outs of of what makes a great charter boat. And uh, I'm, I know I'm talking with you, but, you know, it's Captain Dane and your crew that create the charter. So um, it was lovely to kind of catch up and get an insight. Yeah, for sure. You know, that I, you know, Chasing Daylight's beautiful and you can see pictures online of how beautiful she is. But the, the crew is really what makes a charter. And anyone that's done multiple charters understands that. And 
you know, that's, I've been very fortunate to have, I, I'd say some of the best. And so um, they, you know, some of them are still my friends, not all but some <laughs> of them. And, you know, we, uh, um, I, I, you know, just very thankful to all of them that I've worked with that has made the Chasing Daylight brand what it is and got me to where I am and got the boat to where she is. And, you know, it's a, it's awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We have been chatting with Dane Tarr, who is captain of Motor Yacht Chasing Daylight, and they have been nominated for the ACRU Award for Best Charter Yacht. We wish you the very best of luck, and thank you for listening. Stay well, stay safe, wherever you are. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio.